This is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. And Brooke Ward, you are. And Brooke, you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. Four things off my chest in nine minutes. <clears throat> and I'd love you to react and respond all the way along. Before we play a little Neil Young, uh, th- because it's not an old man take, this is a hot take. <laughs> the guacamole in Mexico is better. It's just better. I, I don't know why, but every time all I right. go, what I, a hot take. You've, like, Brock, yeah. you deserve a vacation. You work very hard during the football <laughs> season, but at this point, it really feels like you're rubbing it in. You've okay. brought it up every single segment okay, and every this feels, this feels like Kelsey and Swifty. Is that what we're doing right now? You want me just <laughs> to get to Brock's it? Brock's vacation fatigue already. Okay, you, you want me to get to it? Like every you shot. Of, yeah, no, I, 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 a lot of people are really jealous of Kelsey and Swifty. Okay, so I'm just going to get that off. And maybe it shouldn't be a surprise because my buddy has got a, an avocado farm in Mendocino. And when he sends me the avocados, <laughs> oh, wow. they're better. They're better. Yeah. When he's like, hey, man, give me your address again. I'm going to ship you some avocado. And I don't know. They last longer. They taste great. The guacamole in Mexico is unbelievable. But go ahead. Go will ahead and fire. you make some guacamole at spring training? Yeah, I will. Oh, there we go. I, I will. Yeah, I'll, but I don't know. I mean, I know Arizona's on the border. You would think it's as good. But I don't know why. Somehow, some way, it's better in uh, okay. Mexico. So, give me a little. Yeah, you Brock, you need this? Million. Yes, I do. Okay, okay. Give it to me. Here we go. It's happened. <laughs> it took me a lot longer than a lot of others, but I'm done. I'm done with Kelsey and Swift. I'm just done with this oh. whole thing. I'm, I'm done with it. And now we got two weeks of Super Bowl. I'm just, it kind of jumped a shark for me yesterday, that fake kiss or whatever it was. Like the eyes are the window to the soul, Brady. And when yeah. you look at the picture, she's got her eyes closed. She's like, I've just got to do this. Just got to kiss him. Wait, his... do you kiss with your eyes yeah, open? Yeah, everybody kisses with their eyes closed. <laughs> oh, really? Did you see the picture of Kelsey and his eyes open in that picture? Did you see his eyes? Okay, so now you're telling, you're filling in the blanks for me. Well, but okay, but Wait, who now was we need being to know if fake Brock about comes it? up Molly with eyes wide open. Eyes wide open, not eyes wide shut. Eyes wide open. <laughs> It just, it, it is just, it's gotten to me. It's gotten to me. I don't know why. It didn't bother me week three, four, 10, 15, 17. Didn't bother me first two games of the playoffs. I don't know. Yesterday, it just hurt being on the field after the game. It just was, it just was a bit much. I just, it's just jumped the shark for me. I don't hate it. Wow. Go, go love one another. That's awesome. But I feel like now some of this stuff is just felt staged and people are like, oh, really? Now you're just feeling it. Mm-hmm. It just feels a little staged mm-hmm. for me now. Do you buy the the origin story of the relationship? What is that? You're, oh, it was Justin, the, you're he have had to the concert. Us. She had the concert, and he was like, "I want to make a bracelet and go shoot my shot and do that whole thing." Have you not mm-hmm. heard that? Mm-mm. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know the origin story. All that is not how that you're going to get to Taylor Swift that way. You're not buying that story? Not at all. Having worked in that industry for that long, there's no chance that that's how that worked. Travis Kelsey is the one human being on this earth that Justin hates. Well, and Eric Weddle. Yes. Yes. Oh, Eric Weddle. Eric Weddle? Yeah, What's he, your problem after, with Eric Weddle? After what he said in the Bengals last couple of seasons, I'm, I'm, I'm over yeah. it. They're both Bengals related. Yeah, it is. Oh, Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, he came back. I mean, yeah. 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 I mean, give me a shot. Give me two shots. That's that, that's fine. Give, give give It's great. She's a superstar. She's unbelievably talented. It's great. But it just is. It's just. It's just too much. It's gotten to a point where the it's just too much. Is hit. Yep. You know who loves it? The NFL, because yes, it do. is the it is it is the one way to bring in fans who 
Uh, look, the NFL, for the millions upon millions upon millions of fans it already has, look, this is one way to bring in more eyeballs, right? Mm-hmm. Like how many people, how many more people, I guess everybody's going to be watching the Super Bowl, but how many more people do you think watch that NFC AFC championship sure. game? Sure. How many Swifties are there yeah, watching? Waiting they for the shots of Taylor Swift. What, what her hair is and what her lipstick is and what she's doing and her dance moves in the in the suite and everything else. Yeah, I don't, it's just feeling for some reason, I don't know. I don't know why. But just feeling a little more staged than ever. Okay, this is going to be really hot, but I just got to say this. <clears throat> Huskies should not transfer to Oregon, and Oregon Ducks should not transfer to UW. It just shouldn't happen. Go anywhere. Do anything. I, I, it's, I, I don't even know what an NFL comp would be. It just There's something about it, kind of like this Kelsey and Swifty thing, that just doesn't, it just that's, doesn't sit right with that's me. That's the one border you just can't, that, yes. that can't happen. Yeah. Like, have a great rivalry. Can't stand each other. You know, talk all the smack. Play, compete, do all of it. And then if you're an Oregon Duck, and it's happened. There have been some Ducks that have transferred into Washington. There have been some dogs that have transferred down to Eugene. I don't know, man. It just feels, it just doesn't feel. Same thing, like this Swifty-Kelsey thing. Just to my core. Something about it just doesn't feel quite right to me. Is the NFL comp, uh, you know, sort of Richard Sherman kind of, you know, being on both sides of that rivalry and then still continue? You know, he wears the Seahawks hat sometimes in his podcast. He wears the 49ers yeah. hats. It he, would be, but this feels, this is even more. Yeah. I mean, that was just business. That one is, hey, man, they cut me, and maybe this is just yeah, business. Right. Because old Phil Knight is going to pay. Hey, my coach left. I, I don't blame whatsoever. These kids do whatever they want. And for Jabbar Muhammad, they, it may be the biggest payday that he had waiting for him out there down at, at, uh, in, in Eugene and with Dan Landing. But it would be so strange. I'm trying to picture that myself. Like, okay, I'm a Husky, and I'm in this locker room. It's blood, sweat, and tears. And, and, and then I transferred to, transferred to Oregon. Like, I just, it's just... Yeah. Money talks, man. Yeah, Especially money. when you're 19, 20 years old, right? It does. Yeah. It does. Money does talk. And last thing for me, it, Jared Kelnick's got to stop talking. He just got to stop talking. Mm, yeah. Mm. <laughs> He's mentioned it a few times. You just got to stop talking. And I know our buddy Luke Arkins, and, and he tweeted out the numbers. And yes, for left-handers and everything else, you know, t- T-Mobile is one of the worst parks. It's true. The park factors are very, very difficult. But let me just remind everybody where Jared Kelnick is with his. I'm putting on my Ebenezer's for you, Brady. I know Thank you love you. it when I do that. Um, I coined the phrase, the phrase Ebenezer's. Do you know where Jared Kelnick's whiff percentage and strikeout percentage were last year in all of Major League Baseball? I don't whiff. know that, no. Yeah, whiff. Um, he was in the bottom 10% as the worst in baseball. When it came to whiff rate mm. and he was let's see whiff rate last year of whew, let's call it 34 percent of the time so no matter where you're swinging yeah whether you're going to swing about in montreal or you're going to swing it in the venezuelan winter leagues or you're going to swing it at truest park or t-mobile when you whiff that many 34 percent of the time and oh by the way it's a step further and speaking of uh, russell wilson and why did russell and like a lot of minor leaguers career never make it in the in major league baseball do you know what his swing and miss rate we're on breaking pitches the last two years justin any guess no i don't if it was a 33 percent whiff rate whiff rate on breaking balls the last two years how about 43 percent and 42 percent swing Ooh. and miss in T-Mobile Park, in Truist Park, in AT&T Park, in the Colorado, in Angel Stadium, no matter where you are, when you swing and miss at breaking balls 43% of the time and 42% of the time, does it really matter what park you're hitting in? 
No. Dude, just stop talking. Well, and also you... just stop bringing up Seattle. They asked him how his swing fit his new ballpark. Why do yeah. you always bring it back to Seattle? Like, we broke up. Yes. <laughs> stop talking about <laughs> he, us. He really <laughs> likes on. talking about his ex. He really <laughs> likes casting blame on the ex. Dude, you're not a victim anymore. Like, just take on him in a great place. Awesome. Uh, make this the end of it, Jared. Make this the end of it into spring training and everything else. Because this organization gave you, like, I don't know, almost a 1,000 at-bats at the major league level, watched you go for 42 to begin your career, watched you swing and miss and whiff is one of the worst in all of baseball, and watched you swing and miss and whiff at breaking balls of one of the worst in baseball, and you would have been your strikeout rate, your strikeouts, if you didn't kick a, a freaking water cooler. I didn't miss that one. <laughs> no, he hit that one right on the head. I don't know, <laughs> man. Just, yeah, some stuff I got to... It feels better. You don't Just talk about your ex. Get off my chest. On a first date. Don't talk about that your press ex. conference was the you know baseball equivalent of the first date. You just don't do it, or second date for that matter. Yep. It's just it's not good. Or you just thank them and move on. Like that's it's right. okay to just be like, yeah, I'm, yep. I'm. You know, that's the past. I'm excited about the future. Mm -hmm. A lot of players will refuse to even answer questions about their old team if they're asked. Like mm -hmm. I'm moving forward, and he keeps bringing it up on his own. Yep. He's mad. He's embittered, and he didn't like a lot of what Jerry had to say, and a lot of the way things were in. That's fine. Now you get your opportunity. But let me tell you, kid, if you keep focusing on what happened in the past, that past is going to follow you, and that's not what you need in your career. You need to flush it. You got a new script. You got a new story. You got a great team. You got a great organization organization and a great place to hit so go hit go use that bat to do the talking and stop it with the math thank you <laughs> can, we, can we also peel back the curtain a little bit here uh <laughs> during the break okay need to know next here we go well, Brady on, in on, for salt right here on. no 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 we gotta go i'm i got clock integrity Who we'll sang do that, that song uh, we'll like, i'm gonna need that paul simon song <laughs> here we go need to know next on the seattle sports station Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Maybe I messed that up. Maybe I do kiss with my eyes closed. I gotta really think about this. I'm gonna try that tonight. Um, anyhow, that is, uh, that's, that's personal stuff. <laughs> That'll be on tomorrow's Need to Know. Yeah, it might be. Oh, this is Need to Know. I apologize. Yeah, everything you need to know right now, everything you need to know is the Seahawks coaching search is coming down to the wire. Finally, I think a move is going to be made over this uh, 48 to 72 hours. Ian Rappaport talking about the two teams that are left. That would be the Washington football team, the Commanders, your Seattle Seahawks. Here was Ian talking about where these two are on their course. You know, what we've reached a point here, Tom, is like there's really no point in rushing because – you know, unless these two teams are going to settle on the same candidate, which I guess is possible if it's Dan Quinn, maybe, there's really no reason to rush. They can sort of settle in and go, you know what, we're just going to pick the best candidate. And everyone's hiring staffs at the same time, no matter what. And that is fine. And let's just do it. But I would say this, like Dan Quinn certainly seems to be a prime candidate at both spots. So it obviously is a real possibility the Cowboys end up losing defensive coordinator. We'll talk about this a little bit later at the, at the top of the uh, 9 o'clock hour, Brady. But if this is, when we talked about it being analogous to the draft and John Schneider handling this like he's handled a war room over the last 14 years, unlike the draft where you see guys come off the board, oh, oh, I wanted him, I wanted him, I wanted him, I wanted him. Other than Raheem Morris, who they interviewed a couple times, who goes to Atlanta, Mike Rabel's there, Dan Quinn is there, right now Ben Johnson is there, right now Mike McDonald is there, and unlike the draft as well, remember these coaches, if they want Seattle, if Ben Johnson or Mike McDonald really want Seattle, guess what? They can tell their agent, thanks, I know Washington has offered, leverage that deal and get me to the Seahawks because yep. that is ultimately where I want to end up. 
Yeah, and, and they have taken their time and been methodical about this. And as Ian said in the cut there, there's really not a whole lot of reason not to anymore. There, there's no real danger in uh, another guy, you know, swooping in and getting your guy. Now, now maybe Washington, you know, wants one of the guys that is still on Seattle's radar. But you've waited this long. Um, you know, you're in a good spot now. And as you said, Raheem Morris, of the, of the candidates that the Seahawks have interviewed, Raheem Morris... Uh, is the only one who has gotten a job now mm -hmm. so that he's the only guy that maybe they haven't been able to get so they're i, th I think they're gonna have they're in a good spot here they're gonna be able to get their pick even if washington you know hires stan quinn or hires mike mcdonald or ben johnson the seahawks are gonna have uh, a pretty good candidate to choose from and here is another interesting aspect about this coaching search brock i think that part of the motivation one part of the motivation for bringing in all these guys for second interviews that they did last week a it was they were giving those guys serious thought about mm -hmm. being the head coach but i also wonder if part of that motivation was vetting those guys for potential coordinator roles and in, in to some degree even maybe recruiting them uh for some of those coordinator roles and look could it be could, could i envision a scenario where let's say you know mike mcdonald ends up as the head coach and mike kafka is the offensive coordinator? I could, or or maybe it's Ben Johnson as the head coach and somebody like Patrick Graham mm. or Ajiro Evero as the defensive coordinator. Yes, mm. I could. Now, technically, those would be lateral moves for those guys. But look, Mike Kafka was in a situation with the Giants where he was playing, he was you know coaching under an offensive-minded head coach in Brian Dable, who there was some speculation yeah. in New York that Dable had overtaken play-calling duties from them. So, you know, Patrick Graham uh, in in Las Vegas got passed over for the head coaching job there that went to Antonio Pierce. Uh, same Good thing point. with Ijero Evero in yep. Carolina, got passed over for the head coaching job. So those would be lateral moves. Maybe those would be lateral moves that those candidates would be willing to make in Seattle. Here's the second thing you need to know. Okay, we got to speed these last two up here, Brady, because Jamison Hensley, your buddy in Baltimore, who does your job covering the Ravens, going to join us in less than 10 minutes. Uh, we'll have more time to react to what we saw yesterday, which was just an a pretty incredible Sunday. It's always a little sad to me when championship weekend ends. Number one, because for so many years, Wyman and Moyer and me and Big Ray were at Dory Monson's house watching these two games, playing, playing basketball in the sport court between them. So that this Sunday holds and has held an incredibly special place for me. And the games usually deliver. And man, did they yesterday. Kansas City 17-10 to 10 over Baltimore. Defensive battle in that second half. Mike McDonald, we talked about him a lot. Made his adjustments, shut down those Chiefs, but they just could not get it going. A fumble into the end zone, a pick in the end zone. Really undid the Ravens. And in San Francisco, heartache for Detroit. Trying to get to their first Super Bowl. You're ahead 24-7. to 7. It unravels. And as Brock Purdy said here in cut number nine, this comeback was really proof of the metal in the locker room of San Francisco. The love, the brotherhood, it's real. It's the NFL. I guess you could say it's a business, but guys care about each other in this locker room and, and what we've been through. And we got a core group of guys that have been here for the last couple of years and, and the standard and culture that they've built. And then the guys that Kyle and John brings in, like everyone fits that mold. And, you know, it showed tonight in a huge moment. Like if you're down 17, you got to care about each other. And you got to love each other to get a comeback and going. And so I think we showed that tonight. Yeah, that's one thing that stands out to me when I observe these 49ers players is they all seem to, it seems to be a pretty tight group. And you see yeah. Debo Samuel and Trent Williams walking out of the locker room uh, before every game with the big boom box. You hear all the players, you know, come into Brock Purdy's defense when all the, the sort of, you know, narrative about him is that he's just, quote unquote, just a game manager type. Seems like a pretty tight locker room. Now, yeah. does winning help that a lot? Yep. Yeah, it certainly does. But that you hear it there uh, with Brock Purdy, that cut from Brock Purdy, that does seem like a pretty tight locker room in San Francisco. 
Here's the third thing you need to know. And then lastly, the Seattle Kraken just one of two NHL games yesterday on the docket, as I think most leagues understand. We don't want to mess with championship weekend, let the NFL have it, but the Kraken get it done last night after those games were over. It was 4-2, to two, and it was Jared McCann just doing his thing like he's done all year long. Three on one, Everly for the front, McCann. There he is. He scores! That's hockey, baby. That's points in six straight for Jared McCann. That is the 20th goal of the season for Mr. Can as well. So, McCann, so kudos, kudos to the Kraken who get it done four to two, take care of their home ice. They will go on another extended road trip with the All-Star game in between that. That is everything you need to know. Uh, in a minute here, tell me about this Jamison Hensley guy that you booked for us today. Yeah, Jamison Hensley is our Baltimore Ravens reporter at ESPN, one of my favorite co-workers at ESPN, guy who's been covering that team for a really long time, also a Baltimore native, and I think you're going to hear some the, the Baltimore accent, one of uh, one of many things I love about Jamison is awesome. the accent. You can just tell he's a Baltimore guy. Well, he'll be in that locker room today, but most importantly for us here in Seattle, he knows Mike McDonald, who will interview with John in the regime tomorrow. Mike McDonald going to be the next Seahawks coach. You're going to hear from an insider on that next, right here on the Seattle Sports Station. This, this is Brock and Salk. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Well, this is some of our new bumper music coming back, Brady. This is my favorite band. This is your favorite band? Yes, The War on Drugs. I turned Mike on to The War on Drugs. Wow. Yeah. You turned Mike on to it. Mike turned Maura and Justin on to it. And now we're going to turn our audience Well, I just play the music that Salk sends me. The War on Drugs. Very nice. I'll make you a playlist. Is it uh, D.A.R.E.? Is that their byline? Uh, Drug drug Abuse Resistance Education? The War on Drugs? (laughs) No, I mean, it's a play on that. Ah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Hey, we can't uh, waste any time, man. When uh, Jameson Hensley, your peer over at uh, ESPN, covering the Ravens, carves out a few minutes on a busy day, as I know you've got to handle the locker room and everything going down. Uh, Let's start there before we get to Mike McDonald, Jameson, and what that means to Seattle. You were in the stadium yesterday. Talk to me about uh, your reaction to the Kansas City Chiefs finding a way 17 to 10 in Baltimore. Did you see that one coming at all? Uh, I mean, I knew it was going to be a much tougher game than the Ravens have had. I mean, they, they've been on such a run going against teams with winning records and pretty much beating every single one of them by double digits. And I knew with Patrick Holmes coming in and every, everything that the, the Chiefs have done in the playoffs, it was going to be a, a tough out. Uh, but I did not expect... Lamar Jackson and the offense to play like that. I mean, they, they have been averaging over, I think, the past six or seven games, averaging over 33 points per game. And to go in there and only score 10 points, have three turnovers, just a lot of uncharacteristic mistakes. And I think it just brings back up the questions of, can Lamar Jackson take the Ravens to a Super Bowl? And when he got drafted back in 2018, that was the first thing he said uh, when he went and Deion Sanders was uh, interviewing him. He said, you know, I'm, I'm bringing a Super Bowl to Baltimore. Believe that. And that's kind of hung over him over the years. Uh, he did have more success, you know, bringing them to a, a championship game uh, this year. But still, until he gets them over that hump, that's going to be the big question with Lamar Jackson. Mm. Jameson, thank you for joining us. We're speaking with Jameson Hensley. My counterpart at ESPN does a great job covering the Baltimore Ravens on the other side of the field. And, and when we're talking to you mostly, Jameson, because we want to learn about Mike McDonald, 
What did you think of the defensive effort that Mike McDonald's unit put out yesterday? Well, if you ask me after the first two drives, I would say <laughs> that was the worst I've seen this defense play under Mike McDonald. But I think it says a lot about him and what he's done throughout the year as far as adjustments and when a team punches and how he can kind of counterattack. And you just saw that defense shut down Patrick Mahomes pretty much for the rest of the game after the, the first two drives. They didn't get a field goal late in the first half, but two of those, but there were like two, uh, uh, 15-yard penalties, that kind of helps the, the Chiefs get down the field. But they, he, he shut out the Chiefs in the second half. And when you do that, a team usually wins. And he has just been – I mean, you look at some of the, 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 the offenses he's going against this year, uh, whether it was the Miami Dolphins or the San Francisco 49ers, and he has really – he's one of the few teams that have been – few coordinators that have been able to shut down – a lot of these high-powered offenses, and he puts his guys in the best position. He's gotten career years out of guys, guys where it was, you know, Patrick Queen uh, had a label of could be a first-round bust. Well, now uh, he's one of the top inside linebackers in the game. Uh, Justin Matabike uh, just got 13 sacks this year after only having eight and a half his first three years. Uh, you know, Kyle Hamilton, people were questioning him last year as a rookie. Uh, where did he kind of fit in this defense? This year, uh, he was one of the best players on this team and, and uh, finished first team All Pro. So, um, Jadavion Clowney, Clowney, how about him? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he was a guy that I think a lot of people thought was done when he when he was in Seattle. Mm. Um, he comes out and he in his tenth season has probably his best season. Uh, and a lot. And when you talk to the guys and you say, "What well, you know? What's been the difference?" They talk about Mike McDonald, uh, Roquan Smith called him a, a wizard uh, the past couple weeks on kind of his game plans, but. Uh, he is a, a, a coordinator who is he's very young, uh, but in his short time has really impressed a lot of people. Yeah, Jamison, that is what struck me a few years ago when I had Michigan after Jim Harbaugh makes a move to to relieve Don Brown of his duties and calls his brother John and says, hey, I need I need somebody. Mike McDonald came in. I remember sitting with him a couple times that season thinking, man, this guy is so young. He's impressive, but he is so young. Yeah. So now fast forward a couple years, Jamison, can he walk into a room not as a defensive coordinator, but as Brady was talking about last hour, can he command an entire organization with his presence and his leadership following Pete Carroll here in Seattle? Yeah, that, that's going to be the, the big question. I will. The one thing I can guarantee is that Mike McDonald will not be taking his shirt off in front of DK Metcalf at any time <laughs> either. So he's, he does not have that kind of personality. Mm -hmm. um, he is. He talked. He, he even describes himself as, and a lot of his family members describe him as an introvert. And he is not a guy that I think really excels or feels very comfortable uh, in in large group settings addressing. Uh, but he is smart and he knows how to you know, get the best out of players and he can relate to players one-on-one. -on -one. I think he has learned a lot from not only being under Jim Harbaugh, but John Harbaugh, uh, guys who, uh, you know, they've made a, their, their whole careers out of, you know, addressing teams and uh, really being, a, you know, these great psychologists and trying to, you know, tap into a team's mindset and trying to get, you know, motivate them. And when there's, there are rough spots, uh, you know, trying to make sure everybody kind of, you know, holds firm and, and things don't, there's no finger pointing, things like that. Uh, so I think he has learned that over the years, but I mean, I think, yeah. And that's what I would love to see when you hear, you know, when the, he goes in these interview processes, uh, you know, are the owners impressed with him one-on-one? -on -one? Because I think one-on-one -on -one he can be, 
uh, very influential and, and get his point across. But when he goes and, and has, you know, sits, stands in front of, you know, 60, uh, you know, 70, 80 guys in training camp, uh, you know, how is he going to be able to really, you know, get the message across? And I think that's the kind of big, I have no, you know, no questions about whether he could be a really good head coach uh, and manage a team and do all the things that you need to do behind the scenes as a head coach. Uh, but standing in front of a, a, a lawyer, you know, it, when you have that first team meeting, uh, I'm not sure if he will. That's kind of his strength so far this right now. Yeah, but buttoned up is the term that really comes to mind when I watch him and, and doing yeah. my homework on these different candidates. You know, one of the things you do is you go and pull up the YouTube videos of the press conferences yeah. that they do every week with uh, reporters like you and I, and, and he just seems very buttoned up. He, he sort of seems like you know he could have been like an ex-military guy or, or somebody who works for NASA. I mean, he also just comes off as very intelligent and like somebody who could do anything he wanted to do. And my question to you, Jameson, is – do you have a, a like a, a comparison? Right, we do we do player comps, you know, around draft time. This right. draft prospect reminds me of this player who's already in the NFL. Whether it's stylistically, personality-wise, what coach does Mike McDonald remind you of? Yeah, I know a lot of uh, you know fans with the Chargers were going like, "Oh, this is a Brandon Staley, you know, young you know defense coordinator and doesn't have the lot of experience. You know, he's kind of been rushed up through the ranks a little bit." Um, I would almost say, and I've, I've crossed paths with Dick Pangio a little bit, where, again, he is a guy that is not the, 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 probably the, the well-spoken, uh, you know, he's not going to be the rah-rah type of guy in front of the, the team. But, uh, you, know, he, but, you know, but he is a guy that grinds, uh, loves just being in that film room, uh, and then, again, one-on-one with players uh, can really, like, he, he, you know, he wants to hear what the player's input is. And try to and put that into the game plan, uh, but I mean honestly, uh, he is just one of the. the you know, I've, I've covered a lot of coordinators. He is just so different, and he was so. I mean, just a drastic difference from when we had Wink Martindale, who was kind of your Rex Ryan. He was. You didn't know what he was going to say uh, at any point, and then you go with Mike McDonald where you expect him to basically say nothing. And he was not going to reveal anything. Uh, he was not going to really uh, give you too much uh, to fill up the notepads. Uh, but it, as you said, he is, you know, he is a very intelligent guy. Um, when he was uh, at Georgia, he spent four years as a graduate assistant there. Uh, he had already accepted, signed a contract uh, to go up to wall street uh, to a firm up there when the Ravens called and offered him a coaching internship. And he turned down going up to kind of the world of finance, decided that he wanted to be a coach, uh, and then just kind of worked his way up the ranks here with the Ravens. Uh, but still, uh, a guy that I still think, you know, even though he's very young, he has so much experience, you know, just because he never played college football. He started out as a coach right then, uh, just has a lot of experience. Uh, and I, I'm, just, I'm very interested in how it would work with him as a coach. Hey, uh, last question for you, Jameson Insley. For me, Jameson covers these Ravens. Is Brady does such a great job in Seattle. Jameson does it on the other coast in Baltimore. You mentioned Lamar Jackson. From afar, his fun factor is off the charts. You know, our, our yeah. show, we text one another, and Salk, Mike Salk, our, our, our regular leader of the program, is just like, man, he is so fun to watch. But he's now had three skirmishes in the playoffs, three exits early from the playoffs. Is the fun factor in Baltimore just as electric and alive, or is the frustration factor of falling short in the playoffs starting to rise as well? 
Yeah, I mean, you can kind of sense the frustration is, is, is getting there. And it's, it's, it's not that, you know, yeah, you know, quarterbacks lose in the playoffs. But, I mean, this has been when he's been twice as the number one seed. Another time uh, when they won the division and, you know, they, they were home and lost and with an early exit. Uh, and it's, you know, he's been in a position where he should be winning. I mean, he's favored to win and then comes up short. And it's just a... It just so what really I think is the big puzzle here is in the regular season he has been so dominating. I mean, since he entered the league in 2018, the only quarterback with a better record is Patrick Mahomes in the regular season. But then in the postseason, he's two and four. I mean, it, and he has only like you know in those four losses, it's like four touchdowns and eight turnovers, and he just doesn't turn the ball over in the regular season. And it's just you wonder like, does he get so hyped up? That he wants to, you know, do so well in the postseason that he just does things that you know to to, to win that he just goes beyond and just tries to do too much, and that causes them to lose. And I think until he is able to have consistent success, he's had some success here and there, and until he has consistent success, that's going that's going to be the question mark. And that was a lot of question marks I think coming out of out of college is, or you know, when he was entering the draft is that yeah, everyone knows. Uh, he's a great athlete, and if you put a system around him, he could be successful. Uh, but can he lead a team to a Super Bowl? Uh, he he you know, didn't really do that in college, never won a, a state title in high school. Uh, getting that big ultimate title has been very elusive for Lamar Jackson. And, Jameson, last question for me. I, I want to go back to Mike McDonald, and I'm just curious for your take on, as a guy who's covered him during both of his seasons as a coordinator, stylistically, what kind of defense, if he were to get this job in Seattle, what kind of defense would he bring to the Seahawks? What does that defense look like? How aggressive are they? And, and how do they really try to put a strain on offenses? Yeah, it's very multiple, I will say that, where they have been, they're, I think, one of the few defenses that rank top five in efficiency is when they play man coverage as well as zone. Uh, so it's not like, you know, under Wink Martindale, they were just full man, man, you know, man to man. You know, they, they're, they're going to press you. They're going to be in your face. With Mike McDonald, is, it's very multiple. He adapts to the, the, the different teams. Uh, and what the players love is that he gives, what they always say, at least one time a game, they, he gives them a shot. It doesn't matter where you're on the field. You get a shot to go after the quarterback. And so he does blitz. Uh, and that's why you see, I think it was about 13 or 14 players this year for the Ravens had at least one sack. And I mean, he blitzes corners, uh, you know, he blitzes inside linebacker, outside, the safeties will come. So, I mean, you just don't know where the pressure will come. It's very selective pressure. Uh, but still, it's, it's very hard to game plan against him because if you watch him against one team, it can be a completely different defense than the next week. So uh, he really does. I think that's, if you ask any offensive coordinator, the biggest strength of Mike McDonald is that he keeps you guessing. Mm. Little Bill Belichickian in that manner as you just yeah. talked about him. I just keep thinking about that run that Bill has done for so many years defensively. Jameson, really appreciate the time. I know it's a super busy day. I'm sorry you're not packing your bags, getting ready for Vegas <laughs> in a week or so. Yeah. I really thought the Ravens were going to be there, as I think many of you guys did there in town as well. But that Mahomes dude on the other side is pretty, pretty good, and so is Kelsey. Uh, Jameson, thanks a ton, man. Really do appreciate the time. You have a good rest of your show. Thank you. There he goes. Jamison Hensley. Go read him. Go follow him. Some great insight there. I don't know what you do, Brady. You know, as you do interviews with people, um, you record, I'm sure, a bunch of them like Lewis Litt on your um, little device there, and then you go back and listen to it. I just write notes, typically. You know, when I'm in coaches' meetings, I'm writing them down. When we're on the show, I'm writing them down. But there was one word that just 
jumped off the page at me that he said about Mike McDonald. Yeah. Just one word. And you could probably make a case for and against. And that one word was introvert. Mm -hmm. I saw your face. Is an introvert going to follow Pete Carroll? Is an introvert going to continue with the culture and everything that John sat there on that Tuesday when he got his chance at the presser alone for the first time? Usually his extroverted buddy is right next to him bouncing around. I think there's a case that, you know, birds of a feather flock together and opposites attract. I think there's a case that an introvert could walk in and it really doesn't matter personality wise. But I think there's just as large a case in leading this group who has been led by an over-caffeinated, extra-juiced extrovert to the nth degree in Pete Carroll, is that the kind of fit that is going to follow in his footsteps? Yeah, and I think that the question you're getting at is how is a coach going to connect with his players? How is he going to get them to buy in? And I do think what you're saying there is that you know, there's multiple ways to do that. You can be the guy yep. who was completely energetic and uh, who you know has just all of this energy and is bouncing off the walls like Pete Carroll. I think we've seen other coaches accomplish that by by being you know not that by being the you know sort of more again buttoned well, up. I played guy. for one. I mean, I played for Tony Dungy, yeah. and it always amazed me. And even as a parent and even as a coach, I'm like, how did he possibly do that? He never showed uh, on game day. He never freaked out. Kalen DeBoer with Washington in much the same vein, like unbelievably poised, unbelievably still in the heat of the chaos in the moment. But you're talking about leading an entire organization. Right? You're, you're not just talking about your brilliant X's and O's. You're talking about commanding that press conference, leading those team meetings, leading the big organizational meetings. As Salk has rightfully so said, this is not about just being a leader of men. It's leading an entire organization. And Tony Dungy was not an introvert. Tony Dungy went and talked to the janitor like he did Peyton Manning. To Peyton, to Tony would come and, and, and be comfortable around any setting. He'd come into our QB meeting quite often. He'd come into our offensive meetings. He, he was very, very much plugged in. By no means would anybody, I think, in Indianapolis have labeled him an introvert. You know, um, There are a lot of D coordinators that I've come across. More D coordinators, Brady, as he said that actually in my life as I thought about it. Jim Knowles at Ohio State highly esteemed dude in the college ranks they talk about him just going into his office closing the door and being in there just grinding for hours and hours and hours but he's not one that's going to plug in he's never been a head coach because he's very comfortable just leading his group is mike mcdonald going to be comfortable following this dude in leading this organization with so many of the same people in it Again, I'm not, I feel like I'm ripping him. I'm not ripping him at all. And he's going to be who he is and has to be who he is. And if he's an introvert, God bless him. He's been terrific at it and unbelievably smart. But is that what you want? Leading your organization moving forward. Yeah, and, and I think it's it's an even bigger question here, knowing what the directive was from Jody Allen. And John Schneider said it in his press conference that that the, the one directive was to maintain the positive culture, right? And, and it's not like... You know, she gave John a list of of ten things, and and John could come back to her and say, "Well, I got I got nine of that. I got a guy who fits nine of these qualities that you're looking for. So yes. can you maybe slide on the tenth one?" The yeah. one directive was to maintain the positive culture. Now, that's not to say that I'm sure she's not saying that you you've got to hire a Pete Carroll clone or anything close to it, but. Mm -mm. That is, and even again before we talked to Jamison Henley, Hensley, and in watching Mike McDonald, he's a very impressive guy. But that was the one question I had: is 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 does he 
does he have that sort of vibe do you to need, him? Do you need to command a room as a head coach? I think it was Hawk Blogger put out a really good tweet the other day that just kind of hit me between my wide eyes. And he said, maybe we got to reconcile and understand that NFL head coaches are like running backs. That there's very few that are just elite elite. And many of them are very similar. And it really like is the old line around them. It's the support staff. It's all of those things that, that maybe if we actually look at the raw data and the numbers, and if four or five or six of these guys turn over every single year, Brady, in this yeah. league, I mean, it's an unbelievable amount of turnover versus the Andy Reeds, the John Harbaugh's, the Mike Tomlins, the Pete for 14 years, those that actually stick with one organization and do that like an elite running back does for seven, eight, nine years in one organization, then maybe it's just a very, very rare commodity. And to, to go after a target and think, oh, yep, Andy Reid. Oh, yep, Bill Belichick. Oh, yep, Pete Carroll. Oh, yep, this guy is just elite, elite, elite and going to be here for the next 14 years. Maybe we got to be very careful about that kind of thinking because it's awfully wishful when you look at just the data and the numbers. Yeah, and I think what Brian's point there, and I know Brian, we, we we do some work on the side together and we talk a lot, and I think one thing he's saying there is is maybe you shouldn't prioritize the leader so much as you should prioritize the guy that gives you a scheme advantage. And that's mm. one thing the Seahawks clearly have not had mm -hmm. on either side of the ball the last few seasons is a scheme advantage. And and I think what he's saying there is is if you if you prioritize getting the guy who you can picture being the leader right the ceo type are you are you potentially sacrificing right. a guy who would bring in a better scheme on one side of the ball or the other yeah you know it's interesting you mentioned the name brandon staley and my one year doing nfl games in 2020 he was a d coordinator for the rams and i left i think we had them three different times i'm like this dude's brilliant this dude's really good and he communicates he was not an introvert he was he was quite open and and loved to talk and and you know was very transparent about his scheme and i thought man this guy <laughs> gonna be an NFL head coach and I think I rushed into it a little bit I want to say just coordinated in LA maybe for just one year before there was such a thirst for him and his scheme and all of that stuff yeah. uh, that the Jameson was talking about the brilliant X's and O's and then over time you're like man just not right now a leader of an organization and I wonder if Mike McDonald will kind of fit in that camp as they will interview him, the, the, according to many, Tom Pilisaro and others, tomorrow for the first time. Uh, they will sit today in Detroit. And I guess compare and contrast, if you wouldn't mind, Brady, as you've done a lot of homework on this over the last couple of weeks, compare and contrast him to his young counterpart that we got to watch in Detroit yesterday who put up 31 points, had some amazing plays, mixed run, mixed pass, play action, getting his running backs involved, and that being Ben Johnson in Detroit, if you wouldn't mind, compare and contrast those two from your perspective. Yeah, and Ben Johnson, again, I go back to, to what for me is one of the big litmus tests in, in just watching these guys, their press conference, and again, can I imagine these guys – you know, sitting up in front of a room and, and commanding the attention of 53 players. I think the difference, and again, I'm this maybe I'm guilty of sort of trying to judge a book by its cover here, but, uh -huh. um, you know, Ben Johnson does seem a little more outgoing and he seems dynamic. Yeah. And right. And not that he's not buttoned up, but he just seems a little looser in some of those press conferences. And so um, I, I don't think anybody would describe him as an introvert the way we heard Jameson describe mm -hmm. Mike McDonald. As an introvert, I think that the one thing you like about both of those guys is they're not just the one-hit wonders, not just the one-year wonders at, at, at coordinator where mm -hmm. so many of these teams, I think they make the mistake of they put so many, they put so much stock 
into that one and it's and it's they're trying to hire the the you know the hot coordinator from the best team and you know that that's that's an important yeah. part of it but there's so much more to it and when you see a guy do it for two years in a row like both of these candidates have done then yep. you feel a little bit better about yeah, that yeah i'm just fighting this feeling uh, and and it was what john said actually about russell wilson like 12 years ago 11 years ago and it just has stuck with me like a like a, I don't know, like an arrow in my quiver, you know, when it comes to quarterbacks, it's so much how I read them. You know, I sit in a production meeting and, you know, the kid from Nebraska comes in. I'm like, oh boy, nicest kid ever. Leader of his huddle? No. Mm. Just, you know, you can just kind of, John would say about Russ and say about a quarterback, I need him to walk in a room and change the temperature. That room needs to know our dude is here. That huddle needs to know our guy is here. Like he just changes the temperature. And I wonder if a head coach in today's NFL and through this process that John and of discovery with his committee and everything, like, is it the same thing? Do you have to get that feel right away? Or does that feel at times and maybe some of that bias steer you the wrong way? We'll dig into that question. A whole bunch more as the Seahawks look like maybe in the next 48 to 72 hours, we'll finally name the successor to Pete Carroll. And then we will have a whole lot more conversation about all of it. Brady's in for Salk right here on Seattle Sports and 710 in the Seattle Sports app.